everybody and welcome to an all brand new edition of T Watches a Scary Movie. I of course am T and we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in. Remember you can always catch brand new episodes every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you, if you subscribe to the YouTube page at youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie, then you're going to get alerts for when new episodes are going up. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page so you can get alerts for when new episodes go up and other new videos that we put up as well and in addition to that of course we want to make sure that you're also subscribing to the facebook page as the facebook page is the only way to stay uh stay alerted to our watch parties that we do uh we do tv watch parties usually once a week and then typically after the new episode comes out we're going to watch a movie that has to do with the episode so right now y'all are still deciding between event horizon and uh pandorum so it's going to be one of those two tonight and if you want to see which one you got to subscribe to the facebook group which is facebook.com slash group slash t scary movie make sure to subscribe to the page that'll keep you in the loop for when we are doing our watch parties now last week we talked a couple of heavy hitters we had uh oh god we had hard candy and then we had promising young woman and then we also talked about uh the new texas chainsaw massacre movie that's coming out and uh yeah we had some interesting interesting thoughts on that for sure um but this week this week I got my new copy of Event Horizon, Shout Factory, and more specifically, their horror offshoot, Scream Factory, last year uh, announced that they were going to be putting out a new 4K restoration of Event Horizon. Um, And what was even more interesting about that was that they were looking to get all the lost footage. So that was their big thing here, because if you've ever seen Event Horizon, if you've ever researched it and and looked into it, the film is actually really, 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 really watered down from what Paul Anderson ended up actually directing. And for years and years and years, people have just wanted this. This is pretty much on the list of holy grails out there Uh, for a while. It was the uh, uncut version of Jason Goes to Hell and Scream Factory was able to get that for us. Um, but uh, Event Horizon is one of those films that is on a just on a list of like uh, I say holy grails, but I really mean that uh, horror movies get cut all the time. And this is one that was famously done and folks want to see that footage. But alas, they weren't able to get it. And it really does truly seem like we might not actually ever see that footage. But I digress, though. Scream Factory put out this new 4K restoration of Event Horizon. And I knew I just had to talk about it because um, whenever I get these new my new disc from them, I'm so excited. I'm going to watch the movie, see how beautiful it looks and then, you know, check out the special features. The downside of this one is the special features really do match the previous two disc DVD and Blu-ray release. It's not a bad thing because those are still fantastic special features. There's a couple deleted scenes with some commentaries on it. There's a uh, film length commentary with director Paul Anderson and one of his producers. Um, and then there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with it as well. It's a really, really good set of special features, but for something like this, you're hoping for a little bit more, like maybe a retrospective with some of the cast and crew out there. Cause everybody seems to really enjoy talking about this movie. So I feel like that wouldn't be too hard, but that's not a knock. Um, the film looks beautiful and I knew I was going to need to talk about it. 
And uh, along with that, I decided that we were also going to talk about Pandorum, too, uh, because Pandorum kind of fit the theme of space horror. And it's a really, really good movie that I have not watched in quite some time now. So I figured, why not? Let's just go ahead and throw in with that. We can have some fun watching Event Horizon and Pandorum. So uh, we might as well just go ahead and get right into it. Um and I'll start with Event Horizon, and like a lot of my stories about 90 horror movies, uh, I only saw this completely by accident when I was living in Australia. Yeah, another Australia story. Uh, the local video store, and I say local like our Air Force base, uh, Woomera is what it was called, was even half the size of the town I live in now, uh, Aurora in Colorado. Like Woomera was like really, 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 really small. It is the smallest place that I've ever lived in in my life. And honestly, that had its advantages and disadvantages. Even as a super young kid, you could actually walk from one end of the Air Force base to the other in like half a day, honestly, less than that even and the thing is like you kind of walked a lot of places because it's not like you had to go too far to get anywhere within the town itself but that's not the point of the story um there wasn't a lot to do there 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 was but it's not like any town you live in to where you know you might have a million and one different things you could do on any given night uh in in woomera we basically had a movie theater we had a bowling alley com uh combined with an arcade uh combined with a restaurant combined with a club combined with a video store and that was about it honestly and uh, in this uh, combination mall, basically, because that's what it was. It was intending to kind of operate as a mall for Americans. So you had, again, you had a cap, uh, uh, a restaurant, you had a dance club, you had a bowling alley, you had an arcade, you had a video store. Like, they had a lot of stuff in there. And the place is called The Oasis. So to all my uh, Australian listeners, because uh, I know I think Helena uh, listens and everything, uh, you know what I'm talking about with The Oasis. That place was the tits. Uh, it was so good. And uh, they had a great video store. That is one thing I will say is that that video store in Woomera was awesome especially if you were a horror fan because they had so many horror movies in that store and, and like honestly the only other section that had just as many were probably the kids section uh because action sci-fi adventure all that stuff i mean there was a lot but it was nothing compared to the horror section they had everything there absolutely everything and the kind of rule was when we went and rented movies it was either we were renting one or if we did rent two, it was like one for me and my sister and then one for my parents. And um, my parents, uh, they very rarely wanted to watch horror movies, but they do have actors that they like. That's just the way it goes. It's like they might not really want to watch horror movies, but if somebody's in there that they like, they'll check it out. And my, my parents are big fans of Lawrence Fishburne. And so they decided they were going to rent Event Horizon. And I don't remember what me and my sister rented with it um it stuck in my mind that it might have actually been relic and we took home the relic and event horizon but that can't be right either because i feel like my mom rented the relic and that's how i ended up seeing that i don't remember what we rented with it honestly but that's not even the point here um they ended up taking home event horizon and we had it for the weekend 
And I remember my the first time I saw it, I only caught the second half of the film. I saw the later half of it, which if you've seen the movie, uh, you're not really missing a lot of vital information. The, the plot of the story is honestly not that complicated. The Event Horizon, it's a prototype ship designed by Dr. Weir, who was played by Jurassic Park, Sam Neill. And what makes the ship so special is that it's been fitted with a gravity drive, which allows the ship to create a black hole. And then the ship can use that black hole to travel between two points in space. So it's instant transmission, basically. And upon its maiden voyage, the event horizon went missing and it's been it's been gone for seven years. Nobody knows what happened to the ship, to the crew. Uh, no idea. And it was it was plotting, of course, somewhere near Neptune. And seven years later. A uh, distress call is received. And the rescue vessel, the Lewis and Clark, that's led by Captain Miller, played by Lawrence Fishburne, are assigned to retrieve the vessel and its crew. Uh, the plot by itself is actually pretty terrifying. And I want you to consider something for a second. Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Battlestar Galactica, most space movies that you can think of feature some sort of warp speed a warp drive whatever just the idea of being able to move across space in a short period of time okay we're entering hyperspace light speed whatever you want to call it uh warp you know engage the warp nine whatever um we're used to that in tv and film and we never give it much thought it's not a real technology obviously like that is something that's completely fake yet anything to do with space is typically rocking something like that and we never actually give like the technology that is so commonplace to us that's fake by the way a lot of thought a lot of thought i feel like i think the closest we got to it actually was uh star wars the last jedi because i actually thought uh the beginning of the film them dealing with like the the rebels being chased by uh the first uh the first legion or the first order whatever the hell it is um and they're using kind of using the light speed to like take them out and everything i know a lot of y'all didn't like last jedi i thought it was the best of the uh, new trilogy but that's irrelevant to this here uh but my point is though the fact that something that doesn't actually exist and that it's such a big part of pop culture and we're going to take that and make that something terrifying is actually pretty genius and every other medium you know warp drives the idea is it's just going to take you to your intended point from point a to point b in a super short period of time but in event horizon while it does do that the problem here is that there's just a short layover from point a uh, point a to point b and that short layover is hell Yes, the Event Horizons uh, 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 gravity drive does indeed work. But unfortunately, the side effect of having to go through hell comes with consequences one might expect. And I, I get it. Like, that sounds goofy as shit. You have a spaceship that somehow has to go through hell. And you have to keep this in mind. And this is like, this is a, a, a child's misconception here. The idea is, is that you dig down in the earth and once you get to the bottom, you're going to get to hell. Basically, you're digging to hell because hell's at the bottom and everything like that. But in 2021, regardless of your beliefs, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. The earth is not flat. <laughs> it, is, it is a sphere. 
and therefore because it is not flat uh like it, when you dig all the way down you're gonna reach its core and you're gonna you're gonna die from that and it'll be like hell is described but that's not hell it wouldn't make sense that hell is on earth okay that just doesn't make any sense at all so it makes more sense that it's like a gateway it's another dimension and therefore that's where event horizon can sell what they're doing because the idea is doesn't matter that you're in space hell is a dimension and one unforeseen consequence of dealing with science that you don't uh, don't understand is it's a portal to hell and it's very doom like honestly for any of y'all um, that have played the video game doom the first person shooter it's been around since the early 90s uh, that's the idea for that, too, is that basically, you know, uh, a bunch of scientists create a portal to hell and demons emerge. And thankfully, Paul Anderson doesn't choose to go that route that, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of demons are coming out and it's about this crew fighting them off. I don't know if that would have been good or bad, honestly. I really don't. But I think the plan that they went with works much better. And as I said, the director of our film, Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, He's the director of such classics you might remember, like Mortal Kombat and the Resident Evil series. And he helms a cast that includes Fishburne and Neil, as we said, but also Jason Isaacs, Jolie Whit uh, Richardson, and Kathleen Quinlan. There's a pretty good cast in this film, honestly. And it it's very interesting because no, no marks against Paul Anderson or anything like that. But if you go take a look at Mortal Kombat, if you go take a look at uh, the Resident Evil films, Death Race, things like that now... It's very interesting that this is the one that has the most credible cast to it. Like, you have some very big actors in this film. All the people I named, Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, uh, maybe not Jason Isaac. Jason Isaac is an incredible actor, but he's known to actually do a lot of genre stuff. Uh, but uh, Jolie Richardson, Kathleen uh, Quinlan, like, those are big names to get in a movie like this. And then it kind of makes sense why we then could see Kathleen Quinlan in um, uh, the Hills of Eyes remake. Because, again, not a film you might expect someone like her to do, but this girl must love her some horror. And even with all that, think about the plot that I described. This is still Paul W.S. Anderson's most grounded film. He's made a film based on video games about Earth's greatest fighters, fighting in another dimension he's made a film uh, based on a video another film based on a video game i wow two and two yeah uh he's made another film based on a video game about a zombie virus that decimates the world he's made a film where prisoners are offered the chance to get out of jail by racing in a mario kart death match and he's also made a film about two of the greatest hunting alien species squaring off against each other on Earth. Somehow a ship with a destination to hell is not the most outlandish concept that he's, uh, that he's done. <laughs> and the idea, like, it, it's further, like, cemented by the fact that when the crew start having their visions, because... Keep in mind, the story here is that the ship is possessed. Like, the ship itself, by going through this portal to hell, is actually possessed. And so, all of the crew start experiencing hallucinations. And the idea is, typically, these hallucinations represent, like, their biggest failures. Uh, for example, Catherine, uh, uh, Kathleen Quinlan's character keeps seeing her son. 
And one of the storylines in the film there is that in order to go on this rescue mission for the Event Horizon, she had to miss out on time with her son. So maybe it's an idea, and we don't, we're not giving more info on it, but maybe the idea here is that she's just a mom that's away all the time. She has no relationship with her son, so she feels guilty about that. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's Captain Miller uh, keeps seeing visions of a crew member that presumably he left, he left to burn to death on a previous outing. Uh, over and over so that's his so the crew are being haunted possessed they're seeing visions whatever you want to say of these past failures basically and what i thought was really really cool is the fact that they talk so plainly about them there's a scene to where the crew's all together and they're trying to figure out what's going on and multiple members of the crew say i've seen this and i'm not crazy and for some reason that was so refreshing that was like so interesting it made the story that much realer honestly because we do dismiss things like that in horror movies as craziness like oh no of course the doll didn't get up and walk over there and kill anybody of course you didn't sleep about uh you didn't dream about this guy who uh killed your friends or anything like that like everybody dismisses that and because it's usually coming from the voice of a child nobody believes it and it's very it's very warm. I don't know. Warm. Heartwarming is not the right word, but it's almost like validation for the crew of the Lewis and Clark to start describing what they're going through and making sure to say, no, this is something that's actually going on. This is something that's actually real here. And there's a lot to be said about uh, the idea of the ship being possessed versus a person. Because think about that. Most possession movies are usually about somebody getting possessed. In most cases, it's usually about a woman, uh, you know, a, a little girl, you know, a teenage, uh, teenage girl, whatever. But like, it's usually women who are getting possessed. And in this case, it's a ship. And there's something to be said about that because typically you refer to a ship as being female. So I wonder if that's just a like low, uh, low key kind of nod to something like that. But who knows? Who knows? Um, but here's the thing in possession movies to where it's a person getting possessed the idea is is that they're going to try to fight it there's eventually an exorcism and bing bang boom we're done but when it's an object morality really goes out the window like if it's a person and they start killing people or whatever then it's like well do we have to kill you we have to obviously kill you right now because you're a danger to the society for example the exorcist 3 my absolute favorite of the exorcist series it's so good it's so 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 good screen factory also released a very awesome blu-ray uh in the last few years for the exorcist 3 with the original cut that's so good uh but i digress uh the idea there that a demon is possessing somebody and using these bodies to go around committing murders and at the end when the hero is given a choice he has to kill this demon he has to kill the body that the demon is inhabiting because otherwise the demon's going to keep killing people and so there's morality involved about whether or not you can actually kill a person but this is a ship there is no morality at all with this the ship doesn't have scruples doesn't have a conscience it wants to be used for the purpose that it has which in this case is to bring souls back to hell and you might actually be shocked if you've seen the film, if you've heard about it, that as gory as the film is, again, plenty of footage got cut out. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson shot the film with all the gore and brutality included, and that's the way he presented it. 
but there was so much studio interference to the point to where they actually asked if they could make if there was a way to make the movie PG-13 that he had to cut the film down so much. And the film is R. Don't get it wrong. It's still R and it's a pretty it's a pretty brutal R at that, but there's still so much that was cut out of it. And the idea here unfortunately is that Anderson himself has stated the footage is lost forever. Doesn't diminish the film because the 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 cut that we got is still absolutely fantastic. But it would be awesome to see that footage. That is that would be a dying wish there, you know, to get to see all that cut footage from Event Horizon. Yeah. And I say that because if you look at the deaths in the film, a lot of them are actually still incredibly classy, if that makes sense. Like, the big one I want to mention is, like, DJ's death scene. That's Jason Isaacs. Um, he gets he gets pretty messed up by Sam Neill, but yet and still, we don't see any of it actually happening. It's a lot of reaction shots from DJ and gurgling blood and stuff like that. And yes, we do see the end result, but it's not a torture porn movie. It's not like a Saw. It's not like a, uh, a hostel or anything like that. We're not really there to watch as it's happening. We're there to see the end result. And I think that's pretty masterful films, filmmaking by Paul Anderson because, you know, whether or not footage like that is on the cutting room floor, the fact that the cut can still be very gruesome of what these shots imply, I feel still works so well for it. And we'll get it one day. One day I got to hold out that hope that it'll show up. I don't care what anybody says. We're still going to hold out hope that it'll eventually happen. And who knows? If it doesn't happen, that still could be a good thing. Because, again, some of the imagery is still hard to watch. And typically horror movies tend to pick on those who don't deserve terrible fates. The idea is the nicer you are, the more of a good person you are. And it's likely you'll receive an even worse fate. And what some of the characters endure through this film is brutal. It's like saying that, okay, if you're the, if the nicest person in the world, we're going to cut you the worst, basically. And I get that some of this is possibly justifiable because, again, as I mentioned earlier, the underlying message here is that all the characters are dealing with horrors that they were at least partially responsible, uh, responsible for. Um... Like, the, the idea is presented that none of these people are innocent. None of these people are truly, you know, uh, good or anything like that. They all have some kind of checkered past. And we don't see that with all the characters. There's not enough time for that, unfortunately. But with the main cast, we're seeing a lot of that happen. And Anderson manages to keep the film from posing too many questions that could easily derail it. Because with everything happening with a ship going through hell, there are a lot of questions that could come up from it. But the film's ending leaves a lot for interpretation. I, for one, don't actually think it's as ominous as it appears. And it's more of a self-aware breaking the fourth wall kind of thing over anything else. And I think there's a lot of evidence to that. I mean, watch the end of like Mortal Kombat or Resident Evil. Like those films end very self-aware. Uh, like, especially the end of Mortal Kombat. That's like basically, all right, play the theme song. All right, fight pose. This is the end of the game, basically. And it, it's very over the top. I love it, by the way. That is such a great ending. 
<laughs> what do you say? Foolish mortals, I've come for your souls. I don't think so. That is my grovelly Christopher Lambert uh, accent there, because the man is French. Uh, and that, so it's pretty bad. But anyway, that ending of Mortal Kombat is so damn good. But come on, it's cheesy as all hell. It really is, okay? And same with Resident Evil, okay? Alice gets out of the mansion. She gets to uh, the middle of Raccoon City. She pumps a shotgun with nothing around. We zoom out to see the ruins of Raccoon City. Again, come on, that's over the top as all hell. This with the doors closing on the, res uh, on the rescue ship. I really don't think that's actually saying, ah, oh, well, the ship still got him. The music would make you think that, but come on. I mean, it, I just think that's them saying it's the end of the movie, all right? That's the way it feels to me. Um, it's it's like the uh, it's like the end of Richie Rich. Remember, like the beginning of Richie Rich is the vault opens, and the end of Richie Rich is the vault closes. Uh, there's other better examples. I know using the Macaulay Culkin classic Richie Rich is not a great comparison, but it still serves the point. Anyway, I don't think it ends on a sour note. I think the characters that survived make it out, and that's the end of the movie, honestly. Uh, now, as I mentioned, this review is really specific because the recent Blu-ray released by Shout Factory and their subsidiary, Scream Factory, uh, includes a new 4K scan from the original camera negative. And oh my god, it's beautiful. It is absolutely uh, beautiful. The colors are vibrant. Everything is like super, super clear. Uh, that blood is red, like real red. And I don't mean bad red. I mean as in, damn, that's like some real looking blood there. Uh, uh, the details look great. That's also kind of the downside to it too. Uh, only because you have to remember, this film is over 20 years old. It's 22, 23 years old. And the some of the special effects very much look like they're 23 years old as well. It's not a knock because... At the time, I'm sure nobody would have said anything, but right now, especially with the way the quality of this cut looks, uh, it's definitely noticeable. Uh, as I also mentioned, the rest of the special features are really carried over from the previous two-disc DVD release. There's a commentary by Anderson and uh, frequent producer Jeremy Bolt that's actually a lot of fun. Uh, and Anderson's commentaries are always a lot of fun. He he, that guy is actually a joy to listen to on the uh, the movies that he'll actually drop commentaries on. He's re he's really good. He's really good. Uh, his Resident Evil ones are so much fun, especially the one for Resident Evil Extinction. Listen to that. That is so much fun. Um, they only show two of, two of the deleted scenes. One of them is of Doctor Weir being briefed on the discovery of the Event Horizon and getting to listen to like the footage with the crew screaming. Uh, and the other one's towards the end that features an homage to The Exorcist, which again possession movie, so it makes sense. And yeah, that's Event Horizon. I would definitely recommend if you don't own it now to pick up the Scream Factory release. It is pretty phenomenal and it's the definitive version of this, at least until somebody gets that lost footage. Definitely pick it up. It's out for sale right now. Otherwise, I do know they do have the, uh, the 4K cut, I believe is up for sale on most streaming platforms as well. Okay. Now... In trying to uh, to keep the theme, I did choose Pandorum as our second film, and it was completely unintentional. Paul W.S. Anderson, who directed Event Horizon, actually returns here with Jeremy Bolt, who was a producer on Event Horizon, uh, to produce this film, Pandorum. Uh, and a lot of you 
might not have heard of this film. It didn't do really spectacular in theaters. It came and went fairly quickly. Uh, but if you're the kind of person who stays tuned to the uh, those kind of underground ones that are getting good marks, then you definitely got a chance to see this. Uh, Pandorum tells this tale of the Elysium. The Elysium is a settler's vessel that's set to colonize an Earth-like planet called Tannis in an effort to save Earth by lessening the drain on natural resources. Now, Corporal Bauer and Lieutenant Payton awake from hypersleep to find the crew missing, the reactor set to blow, and a group of cannibalistic monsters roaming for prey. Now, I remember seeing a trailer for this film, and it really, really downplayed the monsters, honestly. Uh, you can go and watch it. Like the one that the, like the one that's out there right now, it does show like a bit of them for sure. But the trailer I saw barely showed any of that. It showed like a lot of the cuts of them running and oh, you know, the reactor's gonna blow and uh, you know, things like that, all the talking between the characters and talking about the Pandorum sickness itself, but not a lot about the monsters. And it made it seem that the story revolved around humans transforming due to some kind of space science experiment. And I'm not kidding. Look at the poster uh, that I put up like for the poll today. That's the poster showing like Ben Foster's character, um, uh, Bauer, peeling like a layer of dead skin off himself. And that was a big part of the promotion of this film, even in the trailers. And so... It seemed like, I don't know if that was the intention of the director, obviously, but it probably was the intention of the studio somehow to make this seem like it was about people transforming into something. Like, you go crazy and then you transform, but what do you transform into? We don't know. And like I said, look at the poster if you don't believe me. Uh, and the funny thing about that is, that is such a minor plot point to this that I actually kind of think it's ingenious marketing because that is not what the movie is about at all. But one thing that a lot of us have said at one point or another is that horror movies tend to spoil a lot these days in their marketing. There's no surprises. You know everything about the movie before it even comes out. And that sucks because that's half the fun of a horror movie is not knowing what to expect, honestly. And... I still somehow ended up seeing it in theaters. And I don't know if it was a review I read. It might have been my boy Carlos who I ended up seeing it with. Um, but who knows? But I'll tell you, I'm glad I did because God damn, there is so much to like about this movie. This movie is so good. Ben Foster and Dennis Quaid play Bauer and Payton. They are two members of the crew that are trying to piece everything together. And... I'm a big Dennis Quaid fan. I love Frequency. I love Inner Space. I love Any Given Sunday. Like, that dude is so damn good, man. Um, and he really gets a chance to shine. And I, I, I know there's some films. I can't name them off the top of my head. There's been some films to where Dennis Quaid has absolutely played the... Uh, uh, he's played the bad guy before, but I felt like this one is was pretty overt and in your face. He got a chance to play technically multiple characters in this film and man does he play psychotic so so well it's really really well done and there are certain nuances that you're not going to pick up until after multiple viewings to the point that i didn't even pick them up until this recent viewing of the film our other lead ben foster he's the chameleon kind of actor 
similar to somebody like Johnny Depp or Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, basically, they slip into all these roles that are very not normal, you know? And it's jarring when they play somebody very close to being a normal person because it's like, wow, that doesn't really, like, that's not you. That's not what you excel at or anything. But this role actually really, really suits Ben Foster. He's playing basically the everyman hero who's there to save the day because the ship is exploding. And that's a big part of the film is that we find out that the reactor is going to blow and that uh, Ben pa- uh, Ben Foster's uh, Bauer has to get there in order to basically reset the reactor so nothing blows up. Now, we're not given much information, okay? The ship's not moving. There's no crew in the bridge responding to Bauer and Payton trying to reach them. And while exploring, trying to figure out what's going on, Bauer ends up coming across these creatures that are populating the ship. They're hunters. Uh, They have sharp weapons. They're cannibals as well, too, as he sees them eating another crew member. There's no idea where these monsters come from, but man, are they scary. And something that this movie really gave me similar feelings to was The Descent. For the longest time, I've called this film, it's the descent in space. And that's not really accurate because it's not about a bunch of people trying to climb mountains in space and suddenly they get attacked by cave-dwelling monsters. But the monsters really do seem very similar to the cave-dwellers in the descent. They're definitely more intelligent because it's clear that they're hunters. But in both cases, these are evolved humans. And again, we're past our uh, 10-year note, so I can absolutely spoil these kind of things there. Uh, But the monsters in the film are some of the passengers basically the implication is that this enzyme that it's given to all the passengers as they sleep because it's a uh, 123 year journey so they all have to go into hypersleep and they all wake up at different times and everything and the implication is this enzyme that's fed to them uh in hypersleep evolved a number of these passengers into these monsters they woke up and they basically had to evolve because they didn't have access to things like food or anything like that. And so they eventually evolved and evolved or devolved, whatever you want to say, until they became these pack-hunting cannibalistic monsters. And, oh, oh, they are so damn creepy. And the fact that they're actually, cre- like, they're they're able to form thoughts the fact that they're thinkers they are actually hunters and everything makes them so dangerous and they're vicious they're using bladed weapons they're biters they're scratching they're clawing and everything these things are terrifying and so good they're excellent foil to take away from what's actually happening um with dennis quaid's character Dennis Quaid is kind of staying out of everything that's going on, and he ends up encountering Corporal Gallo, another crew member who's basically encountering the horrors of the ship. But as the film goes on and on, we start to discover a lot of truths about Dennis Quaid's character, uh, specifically who he actually is. And it becomes pretty apparent that something's off with Lieutenant Payton. And that Dennis Quaid, turns out, is not actually Lieutenant Payton at all. He is actually the older Corporal Gallo. The biggest driving force of this film is a space sickness called Pandorum, hence the name. Pandorum is space madness. You get it? You go apeshit, basically. It's like cabin fever, but it's cabin fever for space. 
And the big thing that kind of like breeds it all is that the Elysium, as they're setting off, gets a transmission from Earth saying that it's been destroyed. Earth has been wiped off the map. And Corporal Gallo goes crazy. He catches Pandorum and he murders the flight staff. Then what happens is he spends basically the next however many hundreds of years by waking up and sleeping through hyperspace playing games with people that he's waking up so basically gallo is waking people up to play this game with him to where they're trying to restore power to the ship and then basically if they don't go along what he says he kills them he ejects them out into space whatever uh and we learn a lot of this from uh a kind of messy guy running around out there named Leland who traps our heroes, including uh, Corporal Bauer, Nadia, and Manda. Um, yeah, Leland kind of gives a lot of this backstory on our bad guy of the film. And it's so good because then as you go back and watch Dennis Quaid in the early parts of the film, you realize that he's slipping in and out of it as Gallo before Gallo's even there. Like, he like at some points because he really does have the memory loss because they say one of the uh, one of the side effects of hypersleep is that you do have a bit of memory loss. And so he keeps slipping back and forth between what I'm sure he believes is Lieutenant Payton and who he actually is, Corporal Gallo. And it's so good. Like he does such a great job with it. Now, granted, if I've spoiled this, it might be harder to actually enjoy the performance, but he slips into it so well. This film is still an incredibly brutal film. Um, it is very bloody. There are some very explicitly gory deaths that happen to a number of characters in this film. Uh, and the tension is actually really high. Like, the chases with these monsters in this film are pretty damn scary, actually. But they're a lot of fun. It's like riding a roller coaster because eventually you do get some relief from it at the bottom of it now. Uh, the acting is great in it. It's a very non-colorful film, which you think would make it a little bit drab. It's very blue. It's very black. It's very gray. Uh, but it actually sells, like, the space aspect of it. I mean, uh, it, I feel that a lot of color in space just isn't really realistic. And when they save it for the end of the film, which, you know, if you get there, you'll understand what I mean, it actually kind of feels better to get all the color at the end of the film versus uh, having it throughout it. Uh, it's a really, really, really good movie, honestly, that a lot of folks didn't see. Um, I highly recommend it, honestly. It's on most streaming platforms. You can uh, get a rental on that, and I believe Showtime has it for free right now as well, too. But check it out. We'll get to watch together one day. That's Pandorum. And that is going to do it for us, folks. Yes, we have reached the end of T-Watches, A Scary Movie. I want to remind you again, check out the Facebook page for the group. Because if you do, you'll be alerted for when we are doing our watch parties like we have going on tonight. That's Facebook.com slash group slash T-ScaryMovie. And then, of course, I also want to make sure that you go and subscribe to the YouTube page. If you subscribe to the YouTube page, you'll get alerts for when new episodes are going up you can get there by excuse me going to youtube.com slash c slash theron reynolds scary movie that's our time folks make sure to check out some of my more recent episodes you can see in the links up here at the top we will see you next week i'm t we've been watching scary movies 
stay scared.